Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades podcast, episode 219. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And on this week's show, we're talking social media. That's right, everyone's favorite topic, or perhaps everyone's least favorite topic, because no matter where you go, you are probably going to find someone who bitches about social media. Whether that's Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, oh, they're changing their algorithm. Oh, I, my posts don't show up. They don't get reached like they used to. Boo hoo. Okay. That's my opinion after doing this show with Amanda McLernan and Emily Clip. They are the two principals of McLernan and Co. Amanda is the CEO. Emily is the COO. And their mission is to keep social media social. Now, what does that mean? You've got brands out there trying to tell their story on social media, trying to get engagement, trying to ultimately drive success to their bottom line. How do they do it? Well, in the opinion of Amanda and Emily, you need to go back to social media's origins. It's where you connect with actual humans. You don't view this as the algorithm. You don't view this as a megaphone to broadcast your message to people. No, social media is about being social. It's about engaging with people on a human level. And the insights that these two have are remarkable. This was a fascinating chat. And I just have to highlight this. Emily and Amanda have been at this for about three years with McLernan and Co. The way they talk, the level of confidence, the level of savvy, the level of poise that they have, I would guess they've been doing this for 20. And in some ways they have. Because when you hear the start of this conversation, I actually asked them what the first social media platform they were on was. And they both say AOL Instant Messenger which was not a response I was prepared for because I don't know why I didn't think of that as a social media platform. Yeah, I was on it and I loved it and God, it was fun, especially like being in college and you're trying to write a paper or whatever. You just start IMing with your friends and it was a nice diversion. It was a good way to sort of stay at your computer, but be social at the same time. And the fact that they got on that so young, you'll hear them say they were like 11 and 13 years old when they started on AOL Instant Messenger and had an enthusiasm and an aptitude for social media from that point forward. And that's informed their entire career. So for anyone who wants to complain about social media, anyone who is fed up with Facebook, frustrated with Twitter, or angry at Instagram, give this episode a listen because you will have new insights into what these platforms can actually do, what they're capable of, and how you can get them to work for you. This is a fun, fast-paced chat with two very savvy professionals, and I'm thrilled to bring you their work. Now, let's talk about my own crappy social media. It's J-O-A-T pod across platforms. That's Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram. Oddly enough, the last one of those I got on was Instagram, which at the time when I was doing this show was very, very popular. And what's odd is I was taking photos with each one of my guests, but I'm like, eh, Instagram's not really for me. Hello, what am I doing? Like, was I kicked in the head? Did I fall down a well? What's the matter with me? So, you can find me on Instagram. You'll find links to every show there, as well as my favorite hashtag, worst coworker ever, where I take adorable photos of my cat because I work from home, and neither of them, there are two of them there, that's a spoiler alert, it's like an M. Night Shyamalan movie. If you didn't know it was more than one cat, it actually is. Or maybe it's like The Prestige. Sorry, for anyone who hasn't seen that movie, they were twins, okay? Whatever. Follow me on any of those platforms, Facebook, 
is probably the best one because on Mondays, I do the first job series. This week, it was with Emily Clip, who told me this great story about being 14 years old, waking up at 4 a.m. each day to go open a bagel shop. Those are some of my favorite things that I do, and those are exclusive to Facebook. So, J-O-A-T pod across platforms. Now then, let's not delay any further. Let's get to this week's episode. Number 219 is with Amanda McLernan and Emily Clip the CEO and the COO, respectively, of McLernan & Co. Keep social media social. Their episode starts right now. Yep, AOL Instant Messenger. Yep. Okay, well, what were your names? What were your screen names? Oh, I still have it, by the way, because I have a Oh, no, it's shut Yahoo, down though, right? No, but I have a Yahoo email. I do too. That is associated with my first name or my first AIM name, which was Paperclip37. My last name is Clip <laughs> okay. with a K. And so I incorporated my last name with a desk object. <laughs> <laughs> well Remember Clippy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did, did you ever see the cartoon where it's like, so it looks like you're considering committing suicide. How can I help you? <laughs> but it's Clippy being really dark, like super dark comic. Sat- yeah, that's yeah. funny. It was funny. Yeah. <laughs> so AIM um, yeah. was my first one. Okay. My my handle was Amanda Darling. Nice. And Darling, it had two R's because there was a boy in uh, our school whose last name was Darling, and I did not want anyone to think that I was trying, <laughs> like I had a crush on him or I wanted to marry him, so I was pairing our names. Okay. I just wanted to be Amanda Darling. You know, two R's. It's funny you said AIM because that was mine too. My answer was going to be Twitter, but I'm thinking of like next, you know, next generation social media. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, AOL Instant Messenger, huge. Uh, do you remember the away messages? Like how cute you'd get with those? Oh my gosh. Yes. And also how dramatic. I was like, I was maybe 13. Where, how old okay. were you? You were probably about that age too. Yeah, I got age. on pretty young. I think I got on AIM around 11. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So very dramatic. Like <laughs> sure. all the Green Day song lyrics. Yes. <gasps> yes. And I don't know if anyone remembers Zanga either. I remember Zanga. Zanga was another social media platform where you could have a little bit more of a port, a profile. It was like the okay. original Tumblr. And okay, wow. oh my mm-hmm. gosh, you could copy and paste song lyrics yep. in there. And you could choose a song that Zanga was before MySpace. So it went aim Zanga MySpace. Wait, where does Friendster fit in? Friendster was, so Friendster, I don't know about you, but Friendster was over my age range. Oh. I was, I was never young. on Friendster I was never either. on Friendster either. Okay. But I don't think it's because it didn't exist. I don't, like, again, we were like 11 to 13 when these okay. things started coming out. Friendster, I'm pretty sure, was marketed towards like 18 to 20 year olds. You had to be a little older. We were not allowed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I was in college when, like late high school when this stuff hit. I got my first email address when I was like 17. I got uh, a like AOL Instant Messenger when I was about eighteen or nineteen. I was in like the college dorms, and uh, it was great. Oh my like, gosh! Yeah, we were still in middle school when yeah. it all hit. Yeah. And to be honest, that's how I learned to type. Um, that yeah. that was obviously controversial. I think. Yeah. And okay. I my parents kicked me off AIM at one point in my life, and then I didn't resurge into um social media actually until i was 16 years old wow um so i was not allowed to have a myspace (laughs) um so i never had one i basically had aim and zanga was kicked off and And then then came into facebook when i was 16 yep all right perfect i think mark zuckerberg and i are the same age and i always say only one of us could have invented facebook (laughs) it was him it was him so that's fine but and i've told this story on the show before but facebook was weird because 
I had a friend who was on, and he's like, look, you, you have to have like a Colorado State EDU email address, and you connect with other people in your college. And I go, for what, dude? <laughs> like, I, you know how I do that? I go to this college. Like, and I just, I go, like, I'm on campus, and I connect with people. Why do I need to do it here? Now it makes a lot more sense, yeah. you know, like, as you get older. But when you're first sort of adapting to it, it was weird, but it was the original social network. Yeah. And like in that way, the movie itself is called The Social Network, which I just watched recently. Yes. And the reason I asked you about your first social network experience is because that's kind of the thrust of what we're talking about today. So we've got Amanda McLernan, Emily Clip, and you are the two partners. You're the founder. Mm -hmm. You are the chief operating officer. Correct. And this is radio, not television. They can't see that I'm gesturing. (laughs) Amanda, uh, you are the CEO. Yes, I am. And Emily, COO. Correct. Right? All right. Fantastic. Well, thank you for joining me here. And your sort of reason for existence or your your hook, your tagline is keep social media social. Yes. Tell me a little bit about that. So I will take this one. This is Amanda. So like I said, I grew up on social media. And you're right. Uh, at the beginning, social media for a lot of people was like, well, why? I was not one of those people. Um, I moved middle schools a couple times when I was younger mm. and I have always been this like extrovert to the extroverts. Okay. Like cap wow. locks. And I, I was four, I was, oh my gosh, 11 to 13, couldn't drive yet. I l- grew up in rural Wisconsin and I was like, I'm not going to change middle schools and not keep my friends. Like I really want to keep my friends. And so when AOL and Instant messenger came out, um, I added everyone there. And I was so social. And now fast forward that through MySpace, through Zanga, through Facebook, through Instagram, all of that. And fast forward to Amanda at 24. I was living in Reno, Nevada. Mm-hmm. Um, I've moved a decent amount um, because I really wanted to see a lot of areas of this country as an adult now, too. And I have now, I'm still to this day friends with people from eighth grade, all of that, right? So like my You've social You've migrated networks, them all like to, through the various networks? Oh my gosh, Yeah. And I still talk to these people and, and I still have friendships that are cemented in time because of that. Yeah. And so I had a background in digital. I was the director of digital strategy for a local agency in Reno, Nevada. And my job was to really help grow our digital department to be more relevant. And one of the things that was very tangible and was very like interesting to me was social media. Mm-hmm. And that's because... As an individual marketing manager, I could have a social media platform. I couldn't have my own PPC platform or my own right. SEO. Like it was just, a, it, I couldn't. Tinker. You could, but why? Yeah, well, I could, but yeah, I couldn't tinker quite as much. Right. And so I really drew to social media because I could always tinker with things. As soon as I learned something that might work for a business, I could tinker on it as a person and test it. Anyway, I was um, really helping our social media team at the time, but I found myself lamenting. Um, that's my classy word for complaining. Yeah. <laughs> um, I found myself lamenting to a friend about uh, the way that social media was done for most brands and businesses. Most brands and businesses just love to be like, buy tickets, yeah, buy beer, do the thing, and like everything out of call to action. Yeah, or here's our press release. Like here's boring corporate boilerplate. Yeah, do I care about that mm-hmm. as an individual? No. And so I You know just, what it reminds I'm sorry, yeah, I have to interrupt please, you. You know what please. this reminds me of? It reminds me of I think it was during the ninety six Olympics. So in Atlanta, there was a commercial for Tide and they had their website on it. It was the first ad I remember having its website on it. And it was clothesline.com. 
And I remember thinking, why the hell would I go to Tide's website? Like, what is, what is possibly going to be there? Yeah. What? And I don't know what's on Tide's website to this day, <laughs> nor do I especially care. But they, it's like they didn't find a compelling reason for us to visit other than putting it on a TV commercial, which is such a weird way of engaging. And I feel like a lot of brands adopted that sort of style. It's like, you should care about us because you already buy us and we're here. Yeah. So come look at it. Well, what are you giving me, right? Yeah. I think it took a long time between the 90s and even the early 2000s for people to adapt technologies such as even just the internet, right. <laughs> email, social media, whatever that is. People were so um, consumed with TV, commercial, radio, whatever that may be, that once people started seeing websites and URLs and social media channels, it takes a long time for people to adapt. Oh, and yeah. I think even now, as we are in this huge wave of social media phenomenon, like when a new platform comes out, there's about a 5% chance of it actually surviving <laughs> right. because people still have to adapt, even if they are used to social media oh, yeah. and they are on five different social media platforms, it takes a very long time to adapt a new platform and figure out where your niche is on that platform or how you talk on that platform or who you connect with on that platform. I remember about a decade ago, we had a colleague at the old agency I worked for went to South by Southwest or like uh, South by Southwest. I, I think like when they, when they had them separately branded and she came back talking about nothing but QR codes. Oh, oh my gosh, I remember, I remember QR way. codes. And and we're all like, what? Like uh, what and you know, now like you can use a QR code for almost anything, like unlocking a scooter downstairs yeah. and riding around town mm -hmm. to, you know, like brand deals to whatever. But at the time I remember thinking no one will ever use this. I was yeah, I remember thinking that as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Weird, right? It's funny. Well, and then it's interesting to think about too, they actually embedded QR codes in Snapchat. So you could oh, actually um QR code someone else's Snapchat handle, and that's how you could follow them. Um, <laughs> that's fun fact. Wild. That. Mm -hmm. So I was lamenting yeah. to a friend, and I was like, oh my God, remember when we were like 11 and we just wanted to be social? We just wanted to show up and see our friends and see interesting stuff. Why can't brands do that? This was before I knew the term, which I should have known the term. Okay, so I'm pleading my own ignorance here or something of content marketing. But yeah. content marketing at the time when I was 24, this was back in like, gosh, I'm going to get all my years all messed up. But this was back in late 2015, about to be 2016-ish. Mm -hmm. Content marketing had hit some of the really big brands, but it hadn't hit small, medium-sized businesses. It also hadn't hit some of the agencies that were not on the coast. Right. So really what I was talking about was doing strong content marketing, but primarily on the platforms of social media. And mm. I I remember it coming out of my mouth and I was like, why can't we just like keep social media social? <laughs> and I, I got, I got very passionate. I'm, yeah. I'm kind of someone who gets very animated when I get very passionate. And as soon as it was out of my mouth, I was like, oh shit, there's Brilliant. something here. You're like, oh, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where. You've been thinking it forever. Like any great idea, you're like, why didn't this always exist? Yeah. You know, you, like all of a sudden you go, okay, no, I got it. It's like when my wife named this show. This was not the original name of this show. This is a great name. <laughs> Thank you. Um, she said it. We were drinking one night and she goes, why don't you just call it John of All Trades? I go, 
damn it. Yeah. That is so much better than anything. I've been killing myself, yeah, like trying to get just... blood from a stone. Yeah. And here you, you just swoop <laughs> in. Thank I mean, thank you. And thank God we're married. Um, side note, do you know what I kind of think it is? Because I know I was two cocktails deep when I said this. So yeah, like, yeah. it might be the cocktails. I uh, don't know. In vino veritas, right? You know. I mean, that's the way it goes. <laughs> um, so did that, ultimately having that realization, you said you were working for like an agency, mm-hmm. right? Did that ultimately lead to you taking the leap and going out on your own? Yeah. So, um, I really just realized that I felt there was a huge gap in the market because there were huge brands and businesses being helped by agencies on the coast with their social media. But aside from coastal cities, I looked at the internal of the U S and I was like small and medium sized businesses. I also came from a huge national digital agency where they had very pre-packaged set things for social media And that's what small to medium-sized businesses were buying onto. And I looked at those packages and I was like, they are being underserved. That is a good solution. It's not a bad solution. But, like, we could bring a more creative, a more savvy approach. And so, yeah, that's ultimately what made me jump, um, quit the job cold turkey. And um, luckily, it was it's very easy to start an agency. I don't know if you know this, but, like, (laughs) oh, my God, everyone is an agency now. And I was one of those people. So I am sorry for everyone out there. But yeah, you just open a computer, you open a website and, uh, everyone wants to call you a freelancer and all you have to do is good branding. And I was like, Nope, sorry. It's our agency. By the way, this episode is produced by Deft Communications. <laughs> yeah. Visit deftcom.us uh, on the web. And our sponsor is Four Degrees, another agency, the number four, <laughs> D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. To your point, yes, everyone has an agency. It is insanely easy to start. But to differentiate yourself, that's the real trick. Yeah, that's honestly so. Like I made the leap, um, brought in Emily um, a year after I made the initial leap and had clients, enough clients to sustain um, nice. employees, if you will. And uh, ever since then, now it's like, okay, let's make this real. A leap I've never wanted to take, which is being responsible for someone else's rent. That, to me, that's just a bridge too far for me. But kudos to you for doing that. If we think about it too hard, it still makes our stomach hurt. It's still scary. Oh, yeah. No, you'll... We just don't think about it that much. You'll end up paralyzed by fear. Um, Emily, what were you doing at the time? At the time, I was in social media. So So you were right there, too. I was right there. In, I would say, early 2010, I was working in Minneapolis, and I was doing social media for retail boutiques. And at that point in time, everyone, of course, had their e-commerce website, but social media was this open floodgate of your followers, people who wanted to interact with you, people who wanted to buy from you. And so I came in and I was opening local stores at the time, but our customers wanted to buy on social media. So we started posting clothes and shoes and things you could purchase technically on our website. And we started posting them on social and people started buying from (laughs) Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and whatever that was. And so I basically moved into this new form of social media manager for these small businesses and was posting anywhere up towards 35 to 40 times a week on a platform because we were basically launching new products every day on Facebook and Instagram and people would comment and either call over the phone and purchase or actually click the link then and purchase online or they would comment and say, hey, can you hold this for me? I'm going to stop in later tonight. Wow. So we would have these whole racks of people just coming in and so I basically learned how to sell on social for all of these retail 
stores in Minneapolis. Okay, I got to ask you, that yes. sounds like a logistical nightmare, was it? Um, yes and no. So at the time when we moved into, when I moved into posting for 35 to 40 times a week, we at that point had actually three to four locations and we would have to put in parentheses on the post Mm -hmm. where this item was being able to find, like be found at. So you could either find it on our website or you could find it at our St. Paul store or our Minneapolis store or a White Bear Lake store. And people would have to comment. And we basically trained our followers to know how to call and comment with, of course, a bunch of patients as people would comment or call on the phone and be like, oh, do you know that like one shirt that you like posted today? And, you know, someone at the at the checkout would be like, well, we've posted six times today. Can you tell us which one? A lot of patients. But we would sell the items and we would we would sell for people and they would pay over the phone and we would keep it on hold. We would sell for people. They'd pay over the phone. We would ship it out of our store. We, whatever that would be. And that's what I was doing pre McLernan and co. And then I, well, and I just got to say, that's a, that's a problem as old as time where I had a friend who used to work at Boston market and these like middle-aged ladies would come in and be like, I want that thing I saw in the commercial. It's like, we showed the entire array of things we have for sale. In this commercial, can you be a little bit more specific? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's that's not a new problem, just a, like a new way of getting at an old problem. Yeah. I've always actually been in the B2C or consumer-facing industry at all times. So customer service is something I learned <laughs> very, very early on, whether that was working in restaurants or retail or small businesses or even a corporate business that has mm-hmm. a retail location or a food and beverage location. It takes a certain type of person, but I think if you can give the customer a great experience, I mean, they can get what they want. Oh yeah. They'll be with you. They'll be with you forever. Yeah, that's right. So I was doing that, and then I actually ended up transitioning to Caribou Coffee and Einstein Brother Bagels, um, fast forward, and doing their social media. Nice. And that's what I was doing directly up until I fully made the switch into McLernan & Co. And then previous to that, Amanda and I were freelancing together. Okay. And you two knew each other from way back, right? Yeah, we go way back. Like we how far, like AIM days? Yeah, we knew of each other around, I think we probably met at age 15, 16. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. How'd you meet? This is a fun story. And we actually just learned a little bit more about this story uh, because we were prepping for this podcast. We uh-huh. both knew. So we both worked at the Buckle okay. together. And uh, we were both hired by the same person. And as we were prepping for this podcast, tell them about DECA and the fashion show and then... So I was working for DECA, and by working for, I mean it was a school program all around business and marketing education. Oh, yeah. No, I remember DECA. Who who doesn't love DECA? I have to like right. shout out DECA also because I w- ended up being super dorky and being like the state <laughs> president of Wisconsin oh, for into- it. But so yeah, I was really into De- DECA. By the way, job. I was so enamored with Emily because of this. So yeah. Were you both uh, in like FBLA then too? Like that kind of thing? I was in 4-H. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Similar kind of deal. I did none of those things, but... Uh, I know the kids who did. I'm like, wow, you like you guys are actually doing a real business, and that was <laughs> like intimidating to me. Yeah. So I was running a Deca fashion show. Nice. Uh, for a school, and my job as an overachiever was to coordinate with all of these different retail locations in our local Fox River Mall and get 
American Eagle and The Buckle and Gap and Abercrombie and Hollister, all of those stores to basically outfit the models for a high school fashion Mm -hmm. show. And that's how I ended up meeting the person who ended up hiring me at the buckle. And that's also how Amanda ended up meeting them, too, because she was a part of the fashion fashion show. show. I walked in that fashion show. Nice. Well done. Yeah. Do you still have a good turn? Oh, no. I never did. I don't know actually how I got myself into this thing. That's actually most of my life. It's like, how did I end up here? Yeah, um, you just show up. You're like, oh, well, I guess I'm doing this now. Yeah, Interesting. Yeah, also, especially, I know they can't see us, but like for everyone listening, I'm like a solid 5'1". <laughs> so like, you know, Wisconsin talent. Like, why was I in this high school fashion show? Mm-hmm. But the person... You know what? Short people got to buy clothes to. Yeah, I think I was modeling the... Um, 30 length jeans. Nice. Yeah. Very popular. Um, my, my mom is five one. So yeah. you're in good company. So the person who was our contact for the buckle or Emily's contact for the buckle, who was also my contact to get me in the show, his name was Chris Hartle and he's incredible. He's to this day, one of our mentors and he hired both Emily and I at the buckle when we were 16. And that was like right before they closed the buckle. Um, then only hired people after 18. So ah. Emily and I were the babies of <laughs> our buckle family and buckle team and we worked together for um all of like junior year senior year mm-hmm. of high school at the buckle and we weren't all that close but we knew each other we had a great working relationship i i hate saying this because it sounds cocky but like we were high performers um yeah. both of us and that's what i really liked in emily is she was hungry and so was i and so i looked at her and i was like i want to be like emily you know what's funny about that though everyone always apologizes for when they're gonna say something that that they were good at and like that's a weird thing as americans like americans are considered like braggadocious but it's like there's a lot of modesty especially from the midwest you know you you, you don't want to be sort of seen as you know showing off or being like you know tooting your own horn but it's like if you were good at it you were good at it this was years ago now by the way like who cares you know like I was it. great at slinging denim. <laughs> yeah, that's, yes. a, that's a phrase, slinging denim. There you go. I was we great at it. And great Amanda fold. wanted to be just like me. Yeah. <laughs> See, there you braggadocious. Go. Yeah, no, you you got it going now. That's uh, that's what I'm looking for here. Um, but okay, so you were high performers there. Um, and then at some point it ended and presumably you went to college. Yeah. So Emily and I weren't actually like super, again, we were not super good friends through all of this. Um, we just knew of each other and thank God to social, like thank God for social media. We stayed in touch on social and every once in a while we would ping each other. It's not well, like Facebook messenger or whatever. Um, and ask if we want to go out to coffee. And when we go out to talk coffee, we would talk digital, we would talk social, we would talk business, but it was always just about these general topics and, Maybe what we wanted to do with them in the future, but we never talked about doing business together. It just, we, we just talked. Right. And then, so, um, about a year after, well, no, cause you, so I brought you on as a partner a year after we started. So about six months after I started the business, I was like, oh man, like what did I do? <laughs> because my, I would say my true talents lie in, um, ideation okay and then also selling that ideation okay um so like the hustle like getting out and hustling the business and yes and big picture big picture and also then like even for like our current clients like i can help them visualize what we can do like really 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 well Mm -hmm. and i like i said i'm animated i get really excited and so like i can pitch an idea for sure and get buy-in 
but I do struggle on the full implementation. If I'm the only one in charge of implementation, we're going to have a great project. However, guess what? There's only one of me. So when it came to growing and building a team, I was not so great with the educating and the delegation. Um, not that I couldn't delegate. And the funny thing is everyone's like, Oh, you need to be better at giving it up. And I was like, no, 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 I was too good because I literally <laughs> would just like, and our team will laugh at this hard. I you literally can, you would can laugh into yeah. the mic. It's okay. <laughs> Sorry. Emily's people, like, people should know that you're laughing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. Cause I would be like, Hey guys, here's a really cool project. Like, here you go. Like have fun. And I thought that was like, cause everyone my whole life told me like, Oh, you should delegate and like mm-hmm. give things up and not hold on to things. So and don't like, micromanage yeah. anyone. So right. I did the exact opposite of that. And by the way, guys, that doesn't work either. You overcorrected. Oh God. Well, yeah. So I very quickly realized I would need someone. And when I was thinking about my someones, I did actually have a couple people in mind. Um, but Emily was just someone that I really trusted. And so, um, I started working with her as actually like I hired her as a 1099 first, nice. um, for freelancing. And, um, the funny thing was, and I'm going to say this all of a sudden, like, I don't know how many weeks in, maybe four. So like a month in, Emily's like asking me about the finances of the business. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, <laughs> this is interesting like yeah. um i haven't had 1099s ask me about the finances of the business before like what <laughs> like is this like do i like this do i not like this what do i think and but i trusted her and so i told her and then we like we kept going we kept talking and she had a real interest in the business and so it was a very natural next step to offer her a percentage of partnership to join the business and then we worked and we hustled to get her full time nice yeah nice was really cool what was that like for you Coming in, like what? So, what was your experience coming in at first and seeing the way that Amanda was sort of just dumping these projects out? How how did you integrate yourself into the business? Great question. At first, I was on the receiving end, right, because she was dumping <laughs> projects on me. Because I am someone who was widely versed in social media at this point. And Amanda needed help, particularly fulfilling on strategies. And I remember doing a lot of strategies, first and foremost. And then I remember having this really interesting conversation with Amanda on she couldn't figure out how to teach content topics to one of our employees to this day still, Sydney. And I was like, oh, well, this is some, so content topics are basically what you post or write about on social media, right? Yeah, it's like an editorial calendar. Yeah, exactly. Right. An editorial calendar. And so. And it made so much sense in my head, but like I couldn't get it to right. this person. Yeah, you, you couldn't translate it effectively so that they could do what was in your head. The Amanda language was not. Right, yeah, it I was not you. working. Correct. And so I just remember setting up this three-way call meeting between me and Amanda and Sydney and me literally verbalizing every single granular step of how to create content topics for one of our clients who at the time was a paper manufacturer or someone who like printed. Ah, Dunder Mifflin. Basically, a Dunder, Dunder let's call it a Dunder Mifflin. And I remember us like having to go really high level and be like, let's just write down and brainstorm everything we know about this client and write it all down. And then let's circle like how these all interact with each other. And then once we have these categories, let's bullet point underneath (laughs) like other things we can talk about. And so I kind of, started to grasp that Amanda had all of these amazing ideas and there was no doubt that clients were flowing in because she was so wonderful at sales. 
but it was about how we were going to teach the team and manage that team to like do the execution of these accounts that there was a gap. Well, yeah, it's like, um, in the movie independence day, right? It's like, um, you really think you can fly that thing? Yeah. You think you can do all that bullshit you just said? Right. It's like uh, it's like with every client that you have, you know, you you pitch them an idea. And uh, Jerry Seinfeld has this joke like the in-between times are the best. It's like when you get a new job, but before you actually have to do it. Yes. Right. That that part is tough. Like you like all of a sudden you go, yes, we got this account. We, we got all this work. It's going to be huge. And you go, oh, crap. Now I have to do all now this work. Do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that so sounds like exactly where you fit in, though. That's that's pretty much exactly. You've sold where... them this vision. But now you actually have to get down and do it. You actually have to put your spade in the ground and turn over the earth. Right? Yeah. Yeah. One of my strengths, actually, of course, because I came from corporate world at that point, was strengths finders. And ideation is actually one of my strengths. But another one of my very similar strengths is actually activation. So I'm an activator, which means I can either help think of the idea or take the idea, but I can actually like activate on it and oh, implement nice. right. on it. So I knew that was something that... At that point, I was running social media full scale for businesses top to bottom where I was both the community manager and the poster and I would come in with our agencies who were running our paid ads and, you know, implementing all of that. Um, And I had some previous management experience and so coming back in and sort of figuring out how Amanda and I could balance out each other actually turned out to be super natural. It was so natural. It was very seamless for us to start working with each other. And very, very early on, we knew that maybe we didn't know the full terms, but we knew Amanda was really great at sales and I was really great at implementation. And that slowly evolved into even where we are today, where we are today with business development and operations and you know, fancy business words, but it was, it was very clear right off the bat that we could sort of balance each other in our different skills. That's helpful. Uh, anytime you're growing an enterprise, you know, knowing where your gaps are and knowing who else can fill them in. I mean that, and what's so funny to me too, is some of the most rewarding partnerships I've ever had. And some of the like most rewarding teams, I wasn't necessarily best friends with these folks, but we shared a sensibility you know, yeah, yeah. and you know, it reminds me of something Penn and Teller said, who one of the most successful magician duos of all time, right? They've been working together forever. They don't hang out like when they're off stage. Yep. They're like not really pals. Like socially, they, you know, they're like, we don't need to do everything together. Uh, do you guys relate to that vibe? I see you nodding. Yeah. It's actually funny that you bring that up. I'll let, well, well, we'll both touch on this just a little because I also, I feel guilty. I feel like I'm talking too much. No, you're oh, doing fine. Okay. You're all doing fine. Yeah. So that's actually something that very, came very, very naturally as well. Um, and it was, it was a big impact when I moved to Denver. So, um, Emily moved to Denver first. I started the business in Reno, Nevada. I knew Emily was going to be here and that was part of what spurred me to make my move, um, so that we could grow this way we wanted to. Um, when I moved out here, I moved out here pretty cold. Like I didn't have a lot of other friends. Emily had a big friend group, but we very nat, again, it was supernatural. There was never really a conversation that was had about like us not hanging out outside of work. We just both respected the fact that we needed boundaries um, because we get a lot of each other. Sure. I mean, right now we are really in a healthy work-life balance where we're doing closer to like 50 hours a week, I would say. But for the last two years, we've been doing 
I, I'm not joking, like 80 to 100 hours a week, sure. we get enough of each other. <laughs> right. Like the free time can be elsewhere. Mm-hmm. It's just something you have to be really kind of upfront about too, because I, I do remember having conversations, especially as I was someone who had a more of an established friend group here as Amanda moved in. And it's really hard to navigate those conversations of Amanda, I love you and I see you every day, (laughs) but like this Saturday, we're not going to hang out or we're, we're not going to text or whatever that is. And I think you have to set up boundaries in your partnership. Oh yeah. Because you are working so diligently on your business and you almost have to see your business as a relationship as well. And then your friendship as a relationship as well. And if you're trying to build both of those simultaneously, maybe some people can do it super successfully, but we are both very focused individuals. And for McLernan and co to be where it is now, we had to very strictly focus on our business and the social media agency and growing our team and our clients before we developed our friendship. And that's the pattern we chose in this relationship. And yeah. now that being said, Amanda and I have actually really been able to grow our friendship over the yeah. last six to eight months yep. at, at this time. And, you know, we hang out on the weekends or we like to go thrifting or I invite her to my friend's giving or yeah. right. whatever that is, or birthday parties, things like that. Oh, friends giving. You make me miss my 20s. Yeah. It's Good God. amazing. You can still do it in your 30s. Like, that's allowed. Well, well have kids and see how oh. it works. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, if, once you have kids, like, the whole game changes. And getting everyone's schedule coordinated. Oh, is, yeah. Like, it, the, the logistics just become more complex. It's Got not it. that you can't do it. It's just that it's way more challenging. Ours is still like the island of misfit toys. That's like, so awesome. Got a family who doesn't like. Let's get. That was ours too. Totally. Like I mean, we we used to do that. You know, you'd have your your sort of family Thanksgiving, and then you'd all get together and have like the fun one, and that one's always great. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's so funny listening to myself age as I do this show. The the longer it goes on, and my guests keep getting younger. It's funny hearing you say that because as I was reflecting on what you all were saying, it made me miss certain former coworkers. Like, I don't want to hang out with them socially at all, but I really miss certain people's working style. And it's like, I wish I could get on a project with them again, oh, you know? Yeah. You know? And like, I, that's not something that I realized I missed. Like, you sort of feel it, but it, you don't really verbalize it until you're sort of in this kind of conversation. Yeah. And what you're articulating, I think is really interesting. Yeah. I think it's really interesting how I think a lot of times people define relationship as a friendship or a significant other, but I think there are a lot of relationships that people can A lot of types of relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And whether that is a coworker or your work family or someone you get coffee, like someone who makes your coffee every morning, um, or a friendship or a business partnership, there's a lot of different relationships that we're all sort of always figuring out, navigating through and developing. And I think sometimes it makes it a little easier if you're focusing on one type of that one part of that relationship versus trying to be everything, everything. to everyone. Yeah. Like there was, there'd be no way that this would work out if Amanda and I were roommates oh and business partners yeah. and best friends <laughs> oh my God. and sisters. Oh my right. God. And you know what I mean? And you don't need to be everything for each other. You don't yep. need to be everything for each other. You know, it's I w- so much healthier if you aren't. Absolutely. I was thinking I would never consider this person one of my best friends, but I see her more frequently than just about anyone and have a great conversation with her once a month. I get together with her literally once a month and we talk and we have a, a delightful conversation. I always look forward to it. It's the chick who cuts my hair. And so I like, yeah. and 
I've I see I've seen her now once a month for twelve years, which is like more frequently <laughs> than I've seen <laughs> almost every other like friend that I have in my life. Yeah. But uh, like I don't put her in that friend bucket, and she I'm sure she doesn't for me, but. She told me, she's like, yeah, like you're one of my favorite clients that comes in and Mm -hmm. it's great. But like, that's a different kind of relationship. You're absolutely right. And that's okay. It's okay for that to be that relationship. It's perfect. It exists in that context. Yes. And I think what people don't realize is that's special. That relationship that you have with the girl who cuts your hair for the last 12 years, that is a unique, special relationship. And that's okay that it's just the way that it is. Yeah. So shout out to Candace. She's fantastic. Yay, Candace. <laughs> <laughs> she was on this show, too. She was one of the first 10 episodes I ever did. So, okay, I want to talk about uh, something a little bit more practical. And we've talked about relationships in context. Uh, you all work in the social media space. The social media space is always changing. And you always hear people complaining about Facebook changing its algorithm. The fact that you all have such an enthusiasm for social media as a practice and as just uh, a thing has got to help you sort of stay up on that. But how do you navigate the challenges when, say, Facebook does change its algorithm? And does that then change the strategy that you enact for clients? Yeah, definitely. So one of the things we knew going into starting this business, you know, and and people gave me a lot of flack for starting like a social media agency. Oh, I'm sure they did. Like they thought it was like super sillious, right? Oh, yeah. And oh, it's my favorite thing to be. (laughs) Um, I can't wait. This is not my favorite thing, by the way. If my if you don't know me well enough, my tone is not coming off well. No, if, I followed it. I was with you. If anyone ever introduces me as like, a, oh, that's the social media girl. That oh is, my god! Like, what a way to like, like okay, cool. You want to surmise me in that? Like, yeah. Bye, Felicia. Mm-hmm. Like, ugh, do you know what our revenue is? Yeah. Anyway, obviously, so my <laughs> ego is getting in the way there. So we're gonna tell it to take a back, see it. But right. no, we knew that this was gonna be an issue when we started the agency, and. It's not necessarily about like what the algorithm is going to be or what it is today. And this goes back to keeping social media social. When you are an individual using social media for just to show up as yourself and to connect with your friends, you're not thinking about the algorithm. No. So in our agency, we really, we don't allow a lot of like negative algorithm talk. We don't allow it from our clients. We don't allow it from our team. And we acknowledge and we, we acknowledge it's there. We acknowledge that the way that we do social media is constantly changing. But what we think about is how can we do social media like individuals are doing social media right now? Mm. Okay. So let's take Facebook right now. Facebook content posts on the main feed. That is a thing. And it is a thing that some businesses continue to have to do because it's good for their brand. It's good for them to show up. But there's a lot of love going on in Facebook groups right now. Well, if I were an individual, how am I participating as a Facebook group? Cool. Okay. Well, now as a brand, like what are my sneak ways to do this? And not sneak isn't bad. Sneak is in how do, as social media people, how do we know social media better than anyone else? Because we right. know it as individuals. And what... <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it sounds bad when I say it, but it's not bad. Like, what loopholes can we find? Essentially, what you're describing to me is it sounds like uh, the movie Moneyball, right? Like, did you ever see that with I Brad Pitt? I have seen Moneyball. Okay. Sorry. Um, essentially, he says, we are card counters at the blackjack table. Oh, this one. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, the Oakland A's had the smallest payroll of anyone in baseball. Mm-hmm. How are they going to compete against larger payrolls? In that movie, they basically overvalue on base percentage, you know, to get more runs uh, scored in each game. 
that leads them to win games. Yeah. Essentially, what you're doing is you're looking at where's everyone going? Like, what is everyone doing? What is the algorithm doing? What are the angles that are underexploited? Yes. You know, how do we find niches that others aren't finding because we know this platform so well? How do we, again, this is going to sound more craven than I intended to, but exploit those yes. to our advantage. That's exactly yeah. it. I think what's really interesting you should see Moneyball then. about social media that I don't think is always true to other types of either traditional marketing or digital marketing is how flexible the platforms are. And I think sometimes... As marketers, we get stuck in this tunnel vision of this is how ads are run or this is what out-of-home billboards look like or this is the type of sequence we need for emails. But on social media, things are flexible. It's the Wild West. <laughs> still. Still. Yeah, to wow. this day still. To this day. And you can, if you are flexible enough and you are open enough to changing your strategies or changing what your client needs to focus on, whatever that is, you can make social media work for you. It's the people who decide to do the same thing on social media every single day for the last five years that are complaining that the algorithm's not working for them anymore. If you are open-minded enough to figure out, maybe I should try a Facebook group, or maybe I should try Instagram stories, or maybe I should go live on wherever. wherever. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you're open enough to trying new ways of marketing through social media, you will figure out how to make that platform work for you. Gotcha. So, I don't know if you know this about us, but um, Emily and I are both a little woo-woo. Not a lot woo-woo. A little woo-woo. Whether... It's religion or the universe, whatever. We say the universe, but to, to, so like Emily's more religious than I am. So that might mean God to some people, whatever, whatever the universe means to you. Uh-huh. We also believe in manifestation, right? And when you look at everything and you put out energy. So the reason I bring up the universe is let's just say out there, you're putting out energy. If you're constantly putting out energy, like, oh, the, the algorithm sucks or like, I hate social media or social media is only used for bad. Right. Well, what you like, what you put out is the energy you are attracting back. And like, also like what you look for, you are going to find. (laughs) So we, that's why we have a hard stop with negative talk side note, especially for our clients. Like they know that does not fly. Do you know what I mean? And they know that even before they become our clients. That's good. If you like, again, if you put that all out there, you're going to see that. But if you do put out there, like I'm going to find, and and I challenge anyone to listen, who's listening to this to switch the script and instead to say, oh, well, the algorithm has been like reducing my reach. Uh -uh, Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Well, first of all, let's remember what reach is. Reach is getting in front of another human being. Okay. And why are we on social media? We're on social media to connect with other human beings. So why don't you flip your script and why don't you say, I wonder how I can connect with another human being today. And that makes it so much more impactful. I'm going to take one more second on my soapbox here, but it really bothers me when people get too negative about social media because they'll be like, Oh, my reach was only 500 on this post. And maybe they have 2000 followers or I don't, you know, right. whatever, yeah, yeah. whatever, make numbers. up the numbers. When was the last time you spoke to an audience of 500 people. Yeah. Like, excuse me? <laughs> like, shut up. I'm sorry. But like, and also like make use of what you have. You have reach. You have influence. If you have an audience of one, you have reach and you have influence. So if you're not doing enough with it, that's not social media's that's on problem. You, yeah. That's yours. Right. <sighs> 
That's a that's a getting all feisty over here. No, I mean that's uh that's some quality uh, fire rhetoric. I like that. That's nice. uh, yeah. No, I'm uh, I'm way into that because essentially it's like uh, I've taught public speaking and I do media prep for all of like not all of my clients, but I do it for clients. I taught public speaking for two years, and the joke I always tell is Jerry Seinfeld had this joke that said uh, the number one fear, statistically speaking, of people is public speaking. Number two is death. He's like so. <laughs> From a statistical standpoint, at a funeral, more people would rather be in the coffin than giving the eulogy, right? That's funny. So, and, and it's a great joke because public speaking becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, exactly what you're describing when it comes to social media. If you think it's going to suck, then it's going to suck, yep. right? If you think you're going to do a bad job, I mean, not to sound like Tony Robbins on you here, but if you visualize yourself doing a good job or you visualize, visualize yourself reaching people... You'll probably do it. Bingo. Like, it, it's going to happen if you want it to. And if you put the effort and, like, the authenticity into it. Yep. So, I mean, is that sort of, in a roundabout way, the heart of keeping social media social? Like, Absolutely. Connecting authentically. Maybe quality over quantity? Bingo. Okay. Perfect. Well, that's fun. It's, it's funny. It's almost like uh, not only keeping social media social, but keeping social media fun. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Because... Yeah. This is supposed to be fun. And when I realized that, I started doing things just to amuse myself. Got a lot more engagement. Yeah. yeah. What right? a concept. What an idea, Whoa, right? Oh, showing up as yourself in a real way and people actually connect with you more because they like you. I know. It's pretty wild, isn't it? <laughs> um, although I do treat Twitter like a uh, just a conveyor belt of absurdity. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I just That's the stuff I follow, and I'll just retweet it. So anyone who goes on my Twitter page, it's going to be check-ins of badges from Untapped. Like that stupid beer app. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Yeah. I used to do that. Yeah. I got a lot of check-ins there. It's going to be that or retweets from weird Twitter. So, because I just, I like weird Twitter. But here's the thing. I'm not putting on airs about what I think that's going to do for me, right? (laughs) Like, I know exactly what I'm doing and I'm showing up in an authentic way. So, I'm thoroughly satisfied with my Twitter. I love it. As you are approaching, you know, your work and things you have coming up, what do you see coming down the pike here? If if you want to put on your crystal ball or put on your crystal ball, that's not something you can put on. As you peer into it, what do you see? I mean, what's ahead? For our business or for social media? Any way you want to answer that's okay with me. Well, why don't we start with our business really fast? Just a quick note. Do you want to tell them about our, Emily, do you want to tell them about our less, less but better? Yes. And that concept. And then I have some, I have some crystal balls for social media. So where we are in the agency right now, we are three years in. We are eight employees deep, plus a good handful of 1099s, nice. an office in Denver, three remote employees, and 20 to 40 clients at a time. Good all Lord. where we're trying to, thank you, all where we're trying to scale, be 20-something-year-old women, trying to have lives, trying to like date, date trying yeah. to figure out basically... How to run a business and how to have a life. Both things. Yeah. Yeah. Not one of those things. (laughs) All of them. All of them. And as Amanda said, we are both overachievers, highly, highly motivated Uh women. And we're trying to figure out how we do it all. And 
basically where we've gotten to in 2019 is we were in the hustle, right? We were in the hustle, heads down, sprinting towards our goals of the social media agency, making it impactful, maybe making it successful, building a team, building our client roster, roster, and building our revenue. And then sometime in 2019, we realized we were still sprinting and we were still in this mindset of more, more, more. How do we do more? How do we have more? How do we give more? How do we do more for our clients? How does our team do more? How, how, how? And that can be, as entrepreneurs, extremely tiring, extremely daunting, and not just for us, also for our team, also for the people who spend day in and day out committed to McLearn and co committed to our clients and trying to give the best and us always asking for more. And so where we are at this point, halfway through the year is more trying to figure out what is essential for our business and essential for the progress forward so that we can continue to be successful. We can continue to build a great culture. We can continue to grow our revenue, but more with the mantra of, less is better than more is more. And that's where we are at this point in our agency of how we can, how can we give the best service, the best social media, focus on quality over quantity and deliver results without always giving more and doing more and being so emotionally committed to every client and to Every piece of content that goes out, it's exhausting. It's an entrepreneur trap. It's yeah. an entrepreneur trap. And I think what happened at some point is we took our team members into our entrepreneur trap. And while they love the transparency that we give them and we love the ownership that they have at McLernan and Co., there has to be a dividing line at some point And we have to say no. And you know, one of our favorite books is Essentialism. Hmm. And it talks about less but better. And it talks about how actually making decisions and saying no is way more powerful than always saying yes. If you are always coming from a place of yes and you are always saying yes to your client or to the opportunity or to your boss, you're actually just kind of being walked over. You're not actually making clear and defined decisions for yourself, for your business, for your social media presence, whatever that is. And so where we are at this point in our agency is less but better and really trying to figure out how we give quality service, quality content, and build a quality culture as we kind of move into the second half of 2019. Well, it's funny because in my business, kind of a similar thing. I don't do social media as part of my business. That's not one of my key skill sets. That's not something I have enthusiasm for, for doing for clients. Like I, I enjoy it to whatever extent I do personally. And for this podcast, I kind of neglect it a little bit on this podcast, but just because by the time I get done with an episode, like I've already lived with it for a week and then it comes time to hustle it. And that's when I really need to get engaged and I don't, Mm -hmm. but I made that decision because initially I was doing some social media. It just wasn't making me happy, you know? So you need to let some things go. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's good that you're all doing that. Thank you. Okay. So I've got some people, well, platforms that I'm watching. Looking ahead, here's what I think we can uh, keep an eye out for. Um, By the way, I totally predicted Instagram stories like two and a half years before Instagram stories came out. (laughs) So 
Not saying I have a good track record, but I have a good track record. That's um, uh, that's done weird things to Snapchat, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. But Snapchat was a totally messed up organization from a culture. Right. And uh, sorry to be so blunt, but no, I studied that. I studied that organization like crazy because I actually almost did a pretty thorough interview process with them. Mm. Um, when I was in Reno before I started this agency, I was really considering going to work for Snapchat. Interesting. So I did a whole deep dive on their culture and their leadership and. Holy cow, what a dumpster fire that was at the time. (laughs) I don't know how they're doing today, but yeah. Anyway, here's what I think we're looking at. I'm going to try to go fast, but there's a lot of it. Um, Facebook is experiencing some serious, serious issues. Uh, We're sitting here in July of 2019. Um, Recent articles have come out from um, one of the very first co-founders of Facebook, um, and he is asking um, almost like our government, which probably won't happen, to help shake up uh, the monopoly that is Facebook um, because they've gotten too big for their own good almost. And it's a really interesting article, and I'll, I'll share it with you so we can put it in show notes, but it's really, sure. really, it, it's super deep. It's really interesting. But I think we're going to experience some really wild moves from Facebook in the next year and a half. Um, especially as we come into another election season, what they're allowed to do, what they're not allowed to do, um, also how they govern themselves. Um, So I think we just need to keep an eye on that because they own WhatsApp. WhatsApp continues to grow. WhatsApp's popularity continues to grow in the U.S. Um, I think people in the U.S. um, are a little naive to how incredible that app is Mm -hmm. overseas and in Europe. Um, So I think we're going to see a lot of new opportunities from WhatsApp. Mm. Um, In terms of Facebook as a platform, I really am seeing people come become more and more disenfranchised. And that includes people like me and I'm a diehard Facebook fan. So I really think we're going to need to see Facebook turn it around in a really big way in the next year and a half, or their relevancy is going to go down in terms of Facebook as a platform. Now, because they're doing strong as a business, again, WhatsApp is going to continue to grow Instagram. Instagram is really interesting right now. Instagram is something that people like to complain about in terms of the algorithm. Here's the thing, folks. The news feed has been dwindling for the last year and a half. Stories is where it's at. Um, if you are a business who's not using stories, hi, what are you doing? <laughs> Start using stories. Seriously. They're way more fun. You can be more real. Yes. Um, they take a lot less time in terms of like quickly posting. Um, we do something called strategic stories for our clients. Those take time, but they're worth it. I also think that both for Facebook and Instagram DMS, um, and direct, so direct messages, direct messages in terms of, um, one-to-one messaging and then one-to-a-few messaging is going to become um, a bigger thing in terms of how we communicate as a platform. Um, if you're a business wondering how to use that, Instagram stories is where you should be focusing your time right now. Think about who you can engage with as an individual consumers. You're going back, you know, newsfeed is one-to-many and you lose an individual touch. When you're in a DM, mm-hmm. it's either one-to-a-few, a small group, or it's one-to-one. So you get that opportunity to really connect with your consumer. So people who are doing it right right now from a brand perspective on Instagram stories, they are responding to some of their followers' stories. They're engaging with that content. They're messaging them. They're thanking them for being a part of their community. And they're actually creating real conversations through the direct messaging. And it's way less weird than doing it on a comment because it's private. That being said, 
I also think Instagram close friends is going to continue to gain in popularity. Um, so Instagram close, close friends. So the way that true individuals might use this is they set a close, close friends filter and you can send out content that only goes to them. The way that brands can use this is they can allow people to opt into it just like they would opt into an email list. So yeah, right. Whoa. Um, so everything old is new again. Everything mm-hmm. old is new again. My friends, you have to think about marketing. God, this is like, I'm going to get all fiery again here really fast. Just bear with Fantastic. me. Fantastic. Think about what we know as marketers. Think about what we know as people who've studied a little bit of psychology. If you're a marketer and you haven't studied psychology, hi, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, think about what we know and then think about the way to use these platforms and apply them. So for close friends, for brands, basically, I, I'm going to paint a picture for you, but a brand could put up and say, hey, everyone, we're going to talk about like this specific topic and this specific content only to our close friends. We want to make sure we're not bothering you with our content. So if you want to be on our close friends list, like DM us and we'll put you on it. Whoa, they're opting into your freaking content and then they're so much more likely to see it. Go ahead and complain about the algorithm all day, okay? But people who are truly savvy and smart and scrappy, one of our favorite words, that's how you do it. That's how you break the algorithm. You think outside the box with the tools that this platform is giving you. Adapt or die. Adapt or die. Yep. Evolution, motherfuckers. Um, <laughs> I was really trying not to say the F word on this past podcast. We got pretty far in, though. That's okay. I'm, I mean, I'm we're it, it doesn't bother me at all. Um, I've I, got I've got very profane episodes in my back catalog. You know, I just I set a personal goal for myself. <laughs> oh, fantastic! Only one F word per day. Um, all right. Well, we'll get off mic and we'll yeah. we'll drop it with impunity. Um, <laughs> we are running out of time, yeah. so we need to wrap up. Give me the plugs for McLernan and Co. Where can people get in touch with you? How can they find you? How can they hire you if they are so inclined? Absolutely. So um, Instagram is one of our favorite platforms. Um, you can find us at McLernan and Co. Um, so M-C-L-E-R-N-O-N-A-N-D-C-O. From there, you can strategically use the tags that we have, and you can follow Emily and I individually if you would like to um, just see a little bit more personal background of how we run things. McLernanandco.com is our website. You know, we'd love for you to check that out. Contact us. Um, We are definitely open for more projects right now and more clients. We absolutely love working with brands who have a story. Uh, We also very specifically, we we just love working with people with um, products and services that are kind of like social friendly. Nice. So, yeah, that's how to find us. Perfect. All right. There will be links to all of that on the companion blog piece and in the show notes. That's at johnofalltrades.us, J-O-N of alltrades.us. I am across platforms on social media. That's at J-O-A-T pod, which uh, is nice when you can get that uh, across platforms. But... Amanda, Emily, this was an enormous pleasure. You are two of the most poised and savvy folks I've talked to, and it's great to hear such passion. Thank you for being on my show, and I wish you nothing but continued success. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. That'll do it for episode 219 of the John of All Trades podcast. Big thanks to Amanda McLernan and Emily Clip of McLernan Co. Keep social media social. Hit them up at all the links they just said there. They're great on social media. They have a gorgeous looking website. Links to all of that will be on the John of All Trades companion blog piece and in the show notes. That's johnofalltrades.us, J-O-N of alltrades.us. Find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or a billion other podcatchers. Give us a rating. Give us a review. That helps us get more exposure on those platforms. How? I don't know, but I'm sure it works because I've seen it work before. Also, hit that subscribe button. Brand new episodes will come directly to your inbox. First Job Series drops on Monday. 
New episodes drop each Wednesday. Let's pay some love to our sponsor here, 4Degrees, the number 4, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. If you're looking to do anything online, and I know this seems like it's at cross purposes, but I think it's a slightly different bent. Whether you have a product, a service, a candidate, or a campaign, 4Degrees can help you tell that story online space do it for a price that's very attractive they've been with me since episode one i'm proud to feature their work every week here on the john of all trades podcast the number four d-e-g-r-e dot e-s the john of all trades podcast is a production of deft communications check out deft on the web d-e-f-t-c-o-m dot u-s training content engagement and podcasting i will help you tell your organization's story in a new better and more robust way so hit me up on the web can't wait to hear you back here again and until i do say goodnight tracy that's good johnny